0: rely on um x hunt when i'm hunting turkeys it is an invaluable turkey hunting tool there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best-tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. This is the Meat Eater podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. Hold, the Meat Eater podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play store. Know where you stand with OnX. Yanni, can can you tell everybody about your roadkill moose story? I sure can, Steve.
1: Go ahead. I was on my way home. Hard day of work. Yeah, it was late actually. It was after, working late. It was after six. So I like to hear. <laughs> after six. Beautiful day though. I remember because I was in my shorts and a short sleeved shirt. And at that time of the night, it was still nice and warm. I was actually on my way to meet my neighbor because the uh, post production team needed a uh, piece of uh, metal, um, sheet metal, or something of, of the like to put underneath some food that they were going to be shooting. And they wanted a different background. And as you know, my neighbor, well,
0: you ought to plug his business
1: for anyone, oh, yeah. anyone living in the- Travis Barton. of Southwest Montana. Barton Fabrication, if you need any sort of uh, welding, cool metal work type done. Steve had a, uh, what's that thing called?
0: It's a long list. He made my 3 sixteenths inch thick garden boxes on a welded steel plate, which are cool as shit. Yeah, they look nice. He made, he, he does like fancy houses- I should point out, but I have him do, like, low-grade stuff. So he did that. He, we, I had a stainless steel trompo, which is like when you're in Mexico and they got the, the big thing of pork that spins on a spindle and you order a taco and they shave off. Mm-hmm. They take, like, a machete and shave off hunks of meat onto a street taco. Yeah,
1: I think more people would uh, understand it, though, if you just said, like, a hero. Like, if you had a Greek place and you look in the back and there's that big hunk of meat spinning, yeah, okay, around. If that's where you
0: like to go for vacation. I
1: don't, <clears throat> I've never been. I'd love to check out Greece oh. though, but I'm just saying, I think most people would that's, that's what you think of when you think of a big hunk of spinning meat, right? Yeah, Cal?
2: well, no, uh, well, sure, if you do growing up in Missoula, <laughs> Montana, there were three <laughs> Euro places they had We those. like, to call them. yeah, oh, really, yeah, Acropolis. Greek year And they all
0: had a trompo. They didn't call it a trompo, they probably call it some Greek thing.
2: Yeah, yep, correct.
0: Uh, how would you say it if you're goofing on
3: like a trompolo? Trompo, trompolo? I don't know.
0: And uh, if you would put a Greek spin on it. Oh. <laughs> <A> Trombopolis. <laughs> Trompococcus. <Tromplikakis>. So <laughs> Anywho, he's, anyhow, he's welded up a bunch we, of stuff. Yeah, mine was hand cracked. you had to hand turn. Ronnie Bain made it. We used it once at my wedding. But it was hand turned. And Mm -hmm. so he retrofitted it for a, he retrofitted it for a rotisserie motor. Did a beautiful job of it. Then he made me 12, I have him do a lot of stuff that's way beneath him. He made me 12 snare supports. So weld and galvanized wire on the rebar so that you can pound the rebar into the ground then position the wire right where you want it to hang beaver snares or whatever you're snaring. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then now he's doing something that doesn't even require welding, where because he's got a hoist, he's helping me mount a Honda jet onto my Hog Island shallow water skiff.
1: Nice. And meanwhile, he does all kinds yeah. of fancy house stuff. He, Barton Fabrication, ladies he, and gentlemen. He is. And th- we can go on and on about this guy. I mean, he. I'm so lucky to have him as a neighbor. He is the world's best neighbor. I mean, he just. He's a fire chief. He's a fire chief, so he's like home half the time. And when he's at home, it's like any problem you could think of at your house. You're like, hey, Travis, uh, my Chase got one of these. Come on down, you know. Just bring the truck over. We'll put it on the lift. We'll just take those wheels right uh, off right now. That's not know?
0: true, though, because he failed us on a 36-inch chainsaw bar. Yeah, you're right. He offered up a cross-cut saw.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can't help me out, he has a good sense of humor. <laughs> um, but yeah, in my house for our remodel, I mean, there's a ton of uh, Travis Barton work. Handrails. Um, what, what do you call the pieces? The balusters. You know, we that all that is Travis's. There's some I-beams in there. Some shelving. My whole kitchen table countertop is made out of steel and I can't tell a good weld but anybody that's ever come over that must have some sort of background in welding they look at that table and they go whoever did this knows their shit that's
0: funny cuz Doug Dern took a look at my garden boxes and the first thing he said is he made a joke about the welds meaning like he made like a reverse joke commented on the shitty welds meaning yes holy kinda,
1: shit kind of like a dirt joke almost. like a dirty myth joke mm-hmm. yeah
0: like he basically he was saying like what a phenomenal weld mm-hmm. but instead of saying that he acted like he was
2: he was like must have been this guy's first day huh? yeah
0: yeah huh, huh? yeah or, you know I, i'm doing a horrible job
2: yeah <laughs> yeah we
1: get it though so i was on my way to travis's house <clears throat> and um i right when i pulled off the uh pavement <clears throat> oh me. i forgot we're talking about <laughs> yeah, talking about my roadkill moose. <laughs> um, Travis is there waiting for me on the dirt, which I thought was odd. And uh, I like was specifically waiting for you? Yeah, because he I was going to his house to oh, meet him. I'm so he him. knew I was on the way. Yeah, I got you. And uh, he walks up to my truck and he just says, uh, You want a moose? <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard. And uh, but I quickly put two and two together, and I'm like, and I could I looked down the road maybe a hundred yards, <clears throat> and I could see a blue Ford pickup truck sitting down there. And what uh, kind of pickup
0: was it? Is was a, a Raptor?
1: Yeah, Raptor. Yeah.
0: And um, what's the reputation? That, like when you see someone driving a Raptor, what do you do? You have
2: like a thing like, oh, he like? I think they have a bigger gas budget than I do. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> just generally probably bigger budget because I don't think that's a cheap truck.
2: No. Huh.
0: But I, I'm not... So I just bought a regular old F-150 a year ago.
2: Yeah, man. You should have gone Raptor.
0: Really? uh
2: Yeah, because it goes faster. Yeah, but I like to go nice and slow. Yeah, me too. I have no use for a Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> go on. There they you bo- are. They both probably go equally as fast. One just accelerates. and It's louder. I like to accelerate
1: slowly. Yeah. It's kind
2: of more angry looking, more aggressive looking. Yeah. Yeah. But I am angry. Something that's prime for like a big sticker on the back window. Our buddy Jay runs one.
1: Yeah, he likes that
2: truck. Yeah, loves it. Go on,
1: big big truck. Yeah, one of the first things he said is, I was contemplating going to look at this moose. It is has not much damage on the Raptor. I'm thinking, well, you know, that's probably good. Isn't it? Good like, for your moose. Yeah, good for the moose. Probably not much damage on the moose either. And he said it was a calf um, that had been hit. So we went to check it out. And uh, I had one other experience which I've told you before about with picking up roadkill, a buddy of mine, Jimmy in Colorado once had gotten one from a herd that had been demolished by, I think actually a bunch of honey wagon trucks. And he pulled up and they actually had a four. You mean the like, trucks carrying honey or carrying porta potties? uh, Just disposal trucks. You okay. know? I think the company in Vail was called honey, oh, honey interesting. wagon. Mm-hmm. Um Anyways, a bunch have been knocked off the interstate, and they actually had like a, a bucket truck or something there just loading elk into people's trucks. <laughs> <Jeez. clears throat> and um, so This he, is Jimmy Miller. Yeah.
0: Jimmy Miller, who once found a buck tangled up. I think, you know when you unbail hay? mm mm-hmm. Like a guy might unbale hay and throws all the cordage into a pile. Wasn't yeah. that what happened? Yeah, that's right. And found a buck all tangled up in the cordage. Yeah. And went down there and caught it free, and then the buck tried to kick his ass <laughs> once,
2: he, once he got it freed up. <laughs> yep, fell right into his plan. Well laid trap. So there you are. <laughs> um,
1: well, but back to Miller's story real quick. When we went, I went to his house to help him peel that thing out, and it was just when we peeled it out, it was purple from no, look from blood no, nose to tail. Peeling just it out
0: being a, a skinning, whale, skinning, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, so we turned as much as of it as we could into dog food, and uh, I don't think any of it was fit for human consumption. And so uh, I was a little a little leery, you know, going into it. But I looked at this calf moose. Um, it's unfortunate because much sure I had the moose running around. We've been watching it, you know, since it was born. You know, the thing was probably only six to eight weeks. Old. Oh, I didn't
0: catch that either. You were familiar with this particular group, oh, yeah. this cow calf pair. Yeah,
1: yeah, we had seen it maybe two days earlier. Oh, really? I didn't know no, that. she had two, she had twins. This is part, remember the story I told about how I saw the cow elk come and cut that one calf out from underneath the, the cow moose with the two. You didn't tell me that story because I, I remembered it. Really, yeah. I'm sitting there watching a cow moose one night with her two babies, they come up the dirt road and they kind of get off on the edge and they're feeding along. And out of like my periphery, I, I see something running, and down the hill comes a cow elk and it's getting dusky. She comes down, goes right up to him and then just stands there in kind of an aggressive pose. And uh, I didn't know what to make of it, you know? And the the cow moose just sort of pinned her ears back but like became subordinate, definitely didn't stand up to this cow elk. And the cow elk sort of starts chasing him a little bit and it's like half play, but half aggressive. And she sort of starts cutting between the two Calves. And again, these guys are like, they look like they took their first steps a week ago, you know? And uh it, it's getting darker, but eventually the cow moose runs up the hill with one of the calves, and the cow elk stayed with one of the calf moose. Like an and abduction? It, and it, it, like it was that, a pedophile? That kidnapping? It it, it, it it was like that. Yeah, it was like it was like in humans, you know, thought you're like, oh, she must have lost her calf cow elk or her cow her, calf, her elk calf and now she's trying to pick up another one from this moose <laughs> you know who knows but it was very odd very odd animal behavior but then you saw uh, anthony you better introduce yourself
0: real quick because uh you don't join us all the time like yeah does.
3: Uh, i'm anthony lakata i'm uh editor-in-chief here at meat eater there you go welcome thanks
1: yeah nice to have you first meat eater podcast
3: yeah oh really yeah, I've been, uh... Well, you, but you sat with us the other day. Yeah, I sat the other day, and I've been on a uh, uh, honey collective a couple of times, but I've been working remotely for first couple months here on the job, but finally I'm here in Bozeman, so... You'll be able to editorialize. Yes. <laughs> in chief, <laughs> you bet.
1: <laughs> oh. Um, so, yeah, I had some history with, uh, with this calf. So there you are, Ford Rafter. Yep, and, uh... It looks like the, the calf has, like, a blow to the head, and then one of its back legs is, you know, broken, flopping, like, be, below the knee. And uh, otherwise, doesn't look messed up at all. There's not a lot of blood on the road. Travis is, like, literally. Well, Now, why did he not want it? He's not a big hunter, not a big wild game guy. Um, his daughter had actually witnessed it happen. It was kind of traumatic for her. She's, I don't know. Not quite high school age. Um, so I was like, Well, do you want some of the meat? He's like, Well, yeah, just but just don't tell my daughter where it came from, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna get him some meat. But uh yeah, that's just not his style, you know? Not his style. Um eating stuff he found dead on the side of the road. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, I don't I just don't think they eat a lot of wild game in that house. Gotcha. He's too busy welding, fighting yeah. fires. Yeah. Um so yeah, checked it out and uh sort of Uh, talked to Travis about what it would take to get it. I kind of knew the steps. And I said, well, let me just call Highway Patrol. I think that's who I called. And Travis has gotten a guy again to sort of, you know, build his character out a little bit. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll call Highway Patrol. And he just rattles off the number. (laughs) 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 Um, And So I call him and the guy says, yeah, man, real easy. Just go on to the Fish and Wildlife website and there's an application. Fill it out and make sure it's filled out and submitted within like 24 hours. Have at it. Um, And so we, uh, Travis and I try to put it into the truck as it was. It was too heavy for us to just two men get into the back of the truck. So I gutted it right there on the median. I'm sorry, the shoulder. You had a good point.
2: This thing's only a few months old. Yeah, maybe not even two months old. Huh. Yeah. The sweetest. That's an insane amount of growth. Oh, it
1: is. Two months. amazing. Amazing. Yeah, think about what that cow must have to do to produce those calories. To have two of them, you know, putting on that kind of weight.
2: Yeah. and So you've. I mean, I, you're, the my mental picture of your neighbor is he's not a small dude either. No, he's tough guy. I'd beat his ass. I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> what <But> a amazing <laughs> amount of
1: growth. So I got it right there, slide the guts down off the uh, off the shoulders, kind of a steep embankment, goes down into the, the ditch, grassy area, kind of. We, we slung her in there. Went and did the, uh you know, like I said, the permit application there online. And I don't know, 30 minutes later, they sent me an email. It said, here's your salvage permit. Oh, so no physical inspection? Nope, no no um There was actually a, I think it was a, she was a sheriff maybe that rolled in while we were working on it. She might have been there right at the end to kind of help push a little bit oh, to, get, awesome. to get the uh, moose in there. And she didn't have much to say about it. She said, ah, good for you. Right.
2: Now um, the the off all the guts um, with that salvage. That's where scenario. Yanni broke the law. Yeah, I was gonna ask. But what are you asking about? That with the salvage permit, right? Aren't you supposed to remove anything that could attract other yeah. animals to? Yeah. There's something to that. Oh,
0: that's the logic behind that. Yeah, I I had to
2: put that together? Yeah, they, they don't want like then a bear. predators uh, and scavengers getting wax.
0: They don't want then the bear. And then you got like this whole vicious cycle. Yeah. Yep. I was wondering where, I, I felt like a,
2: like they didn't want people to see a gut pile. And yeah. Giannis yeah. is just downloading salvage permits all year long. It's like, got a bear, a moose, a <laughs> mountain lion. All in the <laughs> same spot.
1: <laughs> ah, my truck's got like 250,000 miles on it, so, you know, <laughs> with another ding. But you broke the law by leaving the gut pile there. Yeah, yeah. So I called in the morning, and they said, Yep, yeah, next time, you know, take the guts too. And... Um, don't leave me on the side of the road. Otherwise, you're all set, man. So, yeah, we let it, we butchered it up that night, quartered it. Got luckily a, a neighbor of mine had an empty fridge that was turned on sitting in his, uh, it, it wasn't completely empty. He, he has beer. I was gonna say, you
0: might have an energy efficiency chat with that fella. Yeah,
1: he's got some beer in there mm-hmm. staying cold, but, uh, we moved some things around. And we're easily able to get the whole moose in there. Yeah, let it sit for a week and then butchered it the next weekend and, uh, I gave you a package of the ground. Did you eat it yet?
0: No.
2: It's some I, of the, I can't like, believe you
0: just sent me like a package. I mean, that's great. Thank you. But
2: just a package of ground, huh? <laughs> well, to be fair, on the text message chain, you were like, no, I'm not going to come help, but I'll take the tenderloins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I, uh, I, will admit also, Giannis called me right away and he's like, hey, if you, if you can, do you want to come up and help? Oh, did and you was, ask for help? Yeah.
1: Just with the uh just cutting it up. Summer you're evening. Adding, like, and you specifically
2: flip-flops. asked
0: for help and I said no.
1: No, 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 no. Just Cal. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I felt like a daughter
0: trying to cut me out. Hey, uh, Phil the engineer, what do you think about all this?
2: Uh I think it, I've never had moose. You I think you were about to go into the taste of the of the of the ground, right?
1: Yeah. How, well, just as moose in general. The smell, before we even butchered it, I gotta talk about this, because it was the like the sweetest, most like grassy, fresh cut hay, like to the point where it's almost like so pungent that it might turn some people off. But I think once you get through the pungentness, you just realize it's just like this sweet grass smell. And I don't know if it's from the the eight the extreme young age of the animal or if it was just his diet at that time. It was definitely haying,
2: right? Fresh seasoned. green
1: growth time of year. Yeah, but and and that meat definitely it's nowhere near as pungent, but it definitely carries that. Hmm palate with it.
0: You know what you could tell me if you wanted to impress the hell out of me? You'd tell me that you drank the curdled mother's milk from its stomach.
1: Yeah. Sorry, not gonna impress you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I lose again.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so got a uh I mean I bet I didn't weigh it, but I bet you we yielded um well over a hundred pounds. Are you
0: serious? You yeah, had more meat than you would have gotten off a big mule deer buck.
1: Yeah, it was no, it was definitely like a uh, small to medium cow elk.
0: That's impressive. Yeah, I think I will take a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, no, there's plenty. <laughs> I don't know why I only threw in the ground. Maybe because that's all I was looking at when I was getting your turkey, and the ground was sitting right next to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because no. I remember giving you some real nice. Uh... <laughs> Halibut flays and salmon flays. Well, when you get through that burger, yeah, choice cuts for some more. Choice cuts. I wasn't like, hey, here's the guts off some salmon. Steve's choice (laughs) cuts. Um, good, good on that. Yeah, we got a lot to cover. I feel good. Quick nipple biting story they flood in. (laughs) You aware of this,
3: Anthony? I am. (laughs) They flood in.
0: Guy guy was sitting in a lake, I think he was in Massachusetts, he wrote in. We got to talking about other people getting their nipples bit by fish, um, which it started out, we were talking about a woman tearing her nipple on a, she wrote in that she tore her nipple on a barbed wire fence, mm-hmm. it was a mess. Oh. And then all these nipple injuries. And the, she was in a hurry to go
1: hunting. She got out of like some story. kind of
0: she got out of some kind of athletic event mm-hmm. and was trying to get out in the dove field. Hopped a fence, gashed her nipple. She said her ex husband called it Scarface. <laughs> she said she'd gut me like a fish if I gave her name, which I never did. I like her. Uh, and then more nipple stories came in, but the most recent one is a guy was he was sitting in a lake in Massachusetts with his future with with, with who is now his wife he said they were doing that thing where you got your elbows kind of like up on a dock. You picture what I'm saying? yeah, Like
2: hot tub style.
0: Yeah, hot tub style in a lake, elbows up on dock, and all of a sudden, looks down his nipples, bleeding all over. What's funny is he must not know a hell of a lot about fish because he said he thinks it could have been bluegills because he had seen – here's where the story gets weird, but I believe every bit of it. He had seen some guys spitting dip, spitting tobacco juice, into the water off the same dock,
1: and bluegills are eating it. <laughs> so, so he figures, you know, what this looks like a good place for me and my gal to go soak a in it. So that's fine, but no, that had happened before. Yeah, I understand. Yeah,
0: he's aware that there's so he's, I feel like a bluegill, but a bluegill does not draw blood, a bluegill does not bite your nipple and draw blood.
2: So, there's got to be a uh, kind of a B test. To go. Right? Yeah, it's like, are bluegill more aggressive with a healthy dose of nicotine?
0: Oh, that's a good point. Maybe yeah. they get so jacked up on dip. <laughs> but I think that, that, yeah, there's bluegills around. I think there's a Northie around, Northern Pike. Hmm. And I think a Northern Pike gashed his nipple. But the takeaway is he suggested that you'd make a fishing lure to look like a nipple and smelled like chew. <laughs> 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 Nipples look like bait. They just do. Yeah, they do have a bait like appearance, man. I once had a cyst cut out of my head, a sebaceous cyst, or whatever you call it. Like, it was like on top. It was on top of my, like, you don't want a cyst in your skull. Yeah, not right? in Sounds your skull, like between the gonna, skin and the, the skull. Yeah, like a not scary one. They cut okay. it out and it had some little hairs growing out of it still. And I kept it. I asked them if I could have it. And I kept it in this jar of alcohol. It was about the size of the end of your pinky. And I'd get to drinking and get that thing out and <laughs> tell people how I was going to catch a perch off that thing. <laughs> And then it kind of over time dissolved.
3: <laughs> well, That's too bad.
0: Yeah, I never got to never got to fulfill my my. I uh, was back. When I used to like to drink a lot more than I do now.
3: You I still like
0: to have a little drink now and then, but it never goes so far that I get out my cyst and start. <laughs> <laughs> you could have dyed it. My, I don't get out my cyst anymore. <laughs> Died it chartreuse and rolled it in some glitter. If it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. So there's that guy wrote in? Um, Oh, Anthony, talk about the
3: thing that you were going to talk about real quick. Bigfoot? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite subjects, right? Uh, So we have this uh, great report from the Proceedings of the Royal Society, some organization in uh, Great Britain. And their mission here was to take all these samples of hair that have been collected over the years that for one reason or another have been identified as possible Bigfoot hair. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, you know, depending because they're all over the world. So uh, setting it up here, that I think this is really important. What I found was a very interesting point. They, they kind of lay out the theories of what these creatures could be, right? They could be some kind of um, remaining population of some sort of humanoid, you know, Cro-Magnon, not that exactly, but something like that. Um, they could be some species of ex- extinct ape. But here's the one that I never heard. One theory is that they are hybrids uh, between humans and some mammal, mm-hmm. which- I, I hadn't heard that one, but I like it. I like that. I would love to know what kind of other mammal a human could what breed with. cold winter
2: night. <laughs> like if you're out in the woods and the bear
3: comes by and it looks kind of like cow. Right. Uh so I thought that was pretty fascinating. I, I li- like to think about that theory. Maybe it's changing my mind. Um yeah, that one doesn't get thrown out. <laughs> no. The one that gets thrown
0: out is it's like uh like the I think the lead one is that it's some other
3: primate. Yes, right. That, that, exactly. That has been hiding out. Exactly. Some yeah. primate that that is unknown or one of those other things. So they had 57 samples of hair. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, yeah please. No, you know, I'll do it as a follow-up. Go ahead. 57 samples of hair for one reason or another. Some of them were kicked out. Some were carpet fiber, <laughs> stupid stuff like that. So, but they're Fun. left with... There was, a, there was a Bigfoot sample that turned yes. out to be carpet yeah. fiber? Right, plastic fiber. They think it was carpet fiber, right? <laughs> so, uh, they end up with 37 and use uh, genetic testing and all these other um, scientific methods to identify what they are. And these pl- these things came from Russia from arizona from washington texas oregon india turns out they're all animals we know and well polar bear brown bear horses cows black bears a lot of black bears raccoons one of the samples came from a human so it must have been somebody with very glorious locks Mm -hmm. bigfoot like locks Uh, maybe somebody with dreads i don't know um porcupine nah, you can shave uh <clears throat> dirt's back and probably
1: get
0: pretty good <laughs> dude if i saw if i wasn't with dirt and i saw him coming through the woods that shoot
3: <laughs> i was like i got one it's real yeah coyotes cows dogs wolves uh but alas not a single bigfoot
2: sounds like a conspiracy <laughs>
0: Not one freaking bigfoot in the whole
3: stack of hair samples. Nope, not one bigfoot. They had they had 3 that they at first couldn't identify and they were thinking maybe it was like a hybrid between a grizzly and a polar bear but it turns out they were just polar bear hairs as well.
0: You know what the uh, the the good part about this is? What this will not change anyone's <laughs> mind. No no like big bigfoot dude's going to be like, "Ah, never
2: mind. Yeah. I guess they're right. There is no bigfoot." Right. They'll be, oh. There's, Dude, no way. there's somebody staring into their shoebox right now, being like, Yeah, but they haven't seen this one.
0: <laughs> they haven't seen what I found <laughs> back in my yard. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh guy wrote in, um, talking about his dad was going to buy a motorcycle, and they're loading down a trailer, and one thing leads to another, and uh one thing leads to another, and in the trailer shifts. No, the I don't know. He's loading a motorcycle onto a trailer. One thing leaves you to another, and his finger comes off. His uh, the, the the his ring finger on his right hand was severed between the distal interphalangeal joint and the proximal interphalangeal joint. And the dude he was buying the motorcycle off of's dog ate it. Oh. and he wants to know. Um, he doesn't. It's, he's doing more than just telling a story. He's like, if this happened to you, what feelings would you have towards the dog? <laughs> Partial ownership. <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you be pissed? He says. <laughs> um If someone later told me that, man, had you just grabbed that before that dog ate it, we could have just reattached it and you would have it now.
3: I would be pissed. Could you get that? Could you make that dog puke or get it out of its stomach and put it on? That'd be even a better. Dude, if my
0: brother's dog Shifty ate it you could have killed Shifty and cut it open and that dog would have been fine. The finger would have been fine because that dog eats stuff and doesn't chew it. <laughs> you could give it a big strip of, like, whatever. The other day, I, had, I gave it a... a we, we were out hunting and, I, and we had some smoked Canada goose breasts, and the dog was, like, dying. You could tell he was hungry as all get out. And I peeled away the skin off a of smoked goose breast and it, like, didn't even pretend to chew it. It just... <laughs>
3: Gone. Not even one chew. When I was a kid, I had a, a lab that I, I was eating a popsicle, right? Uh, and I set it too low. Lab came out. Boom. Gone. Two days later, popsicle stick came out. Strip the strip the sucker right <laughs> off it though. As looking at, like you could like you could use it again or use it for a craft project. Send it Perfect. back in
0: for a refill. Uh, another guy, real quick. Um, another guy wrote in. He's talking about like eating his own dog. Would you eat your dog? He's saying, if my dog died, I was thinking about eating it. He said, when he factors all the expenses he's got into that dog, he said that that dog, the meat would be $270 a pound. (laughs) I don't know why. He just sent that in. No one's interested in that? Well, you've eaten dog. Depends on how it tastes, right? I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it one bit. Okay, one last thing. No one's interested in that story. I thought it was good. Uh, we had talked about, you know, we were doing. A, we we had Jason Phelps from Phelps Game Calls. That's right, and his buddy Dirk. And we got to we got to pondering, uh, who like kind of invented the diaphragm call? Yes. And a listener sent in a little clue.
1: Yeah, we were guessing like 50s, 60s, from you know some of the names that we kind of know that are still alive. Like it must have been Will Primos. Or, yeah, or Carlton. Yeah. Oh,
2: Wayne. And a guy wrote in
1: with a clue. Yep. He says in the uh, NWTF Museum. Which I've been in. Yeah, I'd like to go sometime. Stands for National Wild Turkey Federation. There is a uh, display showing a patent from February 5th, 1867, submitted by S. McLean for the first patent for a diaphragm type Mouth call U.S. Patent Number sixty one thousand four hundred eighty six, and uh, there 18, it is. eighteen sixty, wow. and it looks
0: like a yeah, current diaphragm. That, yeah, man. Th-
1: th- that's the uh, that's the crazy like takeaway is 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 that uh, it, there's really nothing different from what I see in his little diagram from what we put in our mouths now to make elk and turkey sounds. What year did he do the patent? eighteen sixty seven. Man, doesn't that seem
0: one odd? year one year after the Fetterman Massacre? Yeah. It's well, crazy. I mean just think that's of a brutal massacre story.
2: Everything <laughs> that was going on in the US, like it just kinda goes to show you that uh sometimes it doesn't slow down hunting and fishing. No. Because especially <laughs> especially Yeah, like when you hear a hunting
0: story from nineteen forty three, you're like, shouldn't you been off fighting in the war? Yeah. What, <laughs> what?
2: what was that? Eighteen sixty seven, especially if it's anywhere near Where the NWTF Museum is located, which obviously it has.
0: Yeah, like shouldn't you been just coming rolling out of the Civil War?
2: Yeah, it's like Reconstruction. Hold fire,
0: fire, boys! I got an idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You ever heard this? (laughs) 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 That's
0: what the Rebel yell was. uh,
1: Since you mentioned it, can you give us a uh, quick synopsis of the Fetterman? Massacre.
0: Oh, I shouldn't call it, it. It's it's Euro it's Eurocentric to call it the Fetterman Massacre. I yeah. take that back. It'd be the Fetterman fight. It was in Wyoming. The um I believe it was the Sioux. They had there was a military fort that was, you know, very much imposing on their traditional mm-hmm. lands, I'm trying to, you know, tell it in a way that would be I don't know why I'm accurate. And why am I leaning so heavy into this? Yeah, there's a military fort, and there's like a contest. That the whole West is in contention. Who owns the West? Yeah. Well, the U.S. military sets up this fort, which would be like an outpost. Yeah, and in the brass, the top brass is like, "Hey, man, no matter what, don't go over the top of that hill," and and you know, don't like don't do it. But anyways, there's some uh, some Sioux guys ride up on top of the hill, and they're like, "Hey, screw you," or whatever. And then they run off over the back of the hill, and Fetterman I could be getting parts of this wrong, but the most of them not. Fetterman like, gets the bright idea to chase after him over the top of the hill, and him and all of his boys vanish over the top of the hill and never
3: come back. And they eventually wander up there, and I don't know how many of them are all laying there it, and, yeah. dead or <laughs> dead. And he was the one, I, I wish I had the quote exactly, but he was very confident, and he said with his force, he could ride through the whole Sioux Nation. And in that fact, you couldn't make it over the couldn't make it, make over, it over the top, top yeah. of the hill barely. And and Crazy Horse was very involved in that battle. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's oh, okay. right. He was one of the the ones who did the planning to set up that ambush and was one of the sort of decoys who came out and let everybody back in.
2: And it was a multi day thing, right? Like. No, that
3: uh, this
0: part of it, the, the this part of it was astonishingly quick. I think
2: really because I thought they had shown up on that hill a, a yeah, few days had. in a row. Yeah, they had. But I
0: mean, yeah, the the actual, yeah, there was like there was some preceding stuff. Yeah. They had been taunting them and tormenting them, and some guys went out to cut wood, I think, and they killed a couple of the guys that went out to cut wood. And one thing led to another, but when the main thing happened, it was a very well laid trap.
2: Yeah, yeah, we hand to hand fighting drove out uh, Ben and I. Ben O'Brien and I drove out to that uh, Vortex Extreme, which is in uh, was outside of Douglas, Wyoming this year, and so you, you, there's a lot of Fetterman stuff out there. So oh, okay. I was, I was relaying the story to Ben, so I was just trying to Fetterman faction. and eighty of his men. Oh, yep. If you talk to like any of your Wyoming buddies, it's so funny because I love that stuff and. Like, you can just see, like, eyes roll back in people's heads. Like, every single year growing up in Wyoming, you got to go out to Fort Fetterman. (laughs) You (laughs) got
0: to watch the guy shoot the I would have loved it, man. I would (laughs) have loved it.
2: Uh, Why are we talking about that? Oh, you brought up the Fetterman mask. It was the same year
0: year as uh, McLean. Year after. I just have certain benchmarks that I had in the Fetterman
3: diaphragm. Did this guy get rich off his uh, game call patent? I Uh, mean, he should have been born uh, born about 100 years later, I think, huh?
1: Yeah, a, a quick uh, internet search
2: did not reveal any more information. I do find it humorous your thought of that being the rebel yell. Can you imagine 800 dudes well, clucking out from across the field? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go, to the NWT, go to the
0: NWTF convention. <laughs> what does 800 people simultaneously <laughs> blowing turkey
2: calls sound like? Probably rattle somebody.
0: Uh, oh, check this out. Watch this transition. Watch this pivot. So, uh, Fetterman. Right, that was part of the Sioux War, okay? And some of the participants at the Sioux War you guys tracking? stay with mm-hmm. me. Some of the participants at the Sioux uh, some of the participants at the Fetterman fight were involved in the Battle of Little Bighorn. at the Battle of Little Bighorn. One thing survived: Captain Keo's horse Comanche. Had like bullet holes, arrow holes in it, but it lived. Captain Keo was one of, I think, two people whose bodies were not mutilated after the Little Bighorn battle. One, because he was under a pile of dead horses, and that they, they—it seems like they maybe didn't find him down there and mutilate him. And Keo was unmutilated, and Keo had some like uh, Catholic, some like Roman Catholic clan type thing around his neck, some piece of jewelry around his neck, and his theory is that they saw that and, and wondered if he was like a religious figure or something and perhaps didn't mutilate Keo. And during the punitive expeditions, uh, when we came out to then enact vengeance on the tribes that were involved in the in the Custer fight, we set up a military fort in present-day Miles City. And they bestowed upon that fort the name Captain Key Keog- or Fort Keo, which brings up the Fort Keo Gate situation, the Fort Keo fight, the Fort Keo fight. Well done,
4: yeah, that well was done. like
0: well done. You want to talk about some phenomenal hosting?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> is there a Nobel Prize in hosting? I was going to ask, is there an awards situation? Like a, is there like a, a Pulitzer
0: in hosting? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, Pulitzer Prize for hosting. Uh, Cal, go ahead. You, you're supposed to be all up to speed on this.
2: Yeah, so uh, interesting situation. There is a lonely but well-used, or was well-used at one point, um, boat ramp, river access um, that is actually on USDA property, which is part of—is it an experimental station out there? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's a
0: research facility called Fort Keogh.
2: Yeah, Fort Keogh Research Facility, Um they're right out outside of Miles City, but um, yeah, they do great. They do they do a bunch of great
0: work, man. I mean, they work. They do a lot of they do cattle work, they do genetic yeah, work, rangeland, do rangeland stuff, invasive plants. There's a lot of valuable work that comes out of Fort. Keele. Yeah,
2: full ecosystem focus. Really, I mean, really neat stuff. Um, uh, even
0: like the, I know that there's research that comes out of there too, and you, having to do with that, after a coal mining operation. Um, best best ways to reestablish. Shrubs and forbs and things when, when you're in the remediation process. So, like, you know, clean up stuff afterward. Not clean up, but getting robust plant ecosystems back in shape and disturbed
2: ecosystems. Yeah, and and, and ecosystem, not like monoculture. Yeah, uh, tons of work. Rangeland. Yeah. Rangeland. Yeah. Cattle and what cattle eat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so anyway, there used to be, uh, you know, general public access to this boat ramp. Then a couple of bad apples spoiled that access by um, doing what every eastern Montana kid knows not to do, which is go out and drive around after it rains out there and hot dogging around in ag fields, tore up ag fields, tore up the road. um, And, you know, as a lot of folks would do, they said, Oh, enough of this, and they closed it off. And then uh, a handful of groups got together Walleye Unlimited, um, I think general, maybe there's a general sportsman's group for Miles City. Um, the the community,
0: a lot of community members from Miles A lot of community
2: City. members, a lot of businesses within Miles City, uh, backcountry hunters and anglers uh, all got together. They raised uh, a little over ten grand, I believe, to for the very specific purpose of getting this river access open to the public again, by finding a middle ground of installing a key code gate so there's some res- um, accountability for folks using the access because you would have to uh, call in, get a code, uh, probably provide your license plate number, or ALS, your, you know, fishing license number or something like that. And uh, everything was good to go. Yeah, and this, uh,
0: did you cover this? I feel like you did, that there's not a lot of reliable um there's not much reliable river access in this area because it, it, the, 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 the river fluctuates. Yes. It's a, it's a wildly fluctuating water level. Yeah. And, and so, so there's so, oftentimes not a good place to launch. I and mean, this is like one that's like always, no matter what the river is doing, you can launch here.
2: Yeah. And I want to say there's like 70 plus, you got to go about 70 miles, give or take, to the next like very reliable access unless you use this. Kind of below watermark access, with, which is which like kind of quite illegal. illegal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, it's always better to have these established things. It's just better for for everything. Centralizes the human impact on uh, areas. So, um, everything was going around well, and then the uh, USDA came to the conclusion that this that it had to be uh, done through slightly different means, and it really slowed the process down. So and US, meanwhile,
0: people have spent a lot of money specifically to address the problem.
2: And they had the goal line, like, right there. It's like, this is going to be done by this date. Yeah. And we have this money very specifically. It's not just going to this general pot. It's going to this very specific thing that everybody wants, and everybody's behind it, and here's this date coming down the road. And, you know, government just doesn't move that fast. Um and so they're trying to get uh, basically an easement through USDA land that uh, I believe Montana Fish and Game would then be in charge of that easement. And Yeah, t- people
0: trying to work through sort of a legal process by which this could happen and this donated yeah. money could get put to
2: purpose. But as you can imagine, if you're Joe Walleye or definitely Joe Duck or Goose Hunter and the season's coming down the pipe and you were all fired up about this access and you probably pitched a couple of bucks in the pot at a pint night or something. Now you're starting to get pretty pissed and fingers are starting to get pointed. And, um, so what would be very, very helpful if you like to recreate, uh, in a smart state like the state of Montana that has awesome water access laws, That'd be very helpful if you contacted your duly elected officials or, you know, if you happen to know a guy who looks like uh, or knows Sonny Purdue, or if you know Sonny Purdue, you may want to give him a call. That would be extremely helpful um, here in the state of Montana. If you got a hold of Steve Daines, uh, Senator Tester or uh, Greg Gianforte. And yeah, what? so the
0: senators Tester, sen- senators Tester and Danes, representative Greg Gianforte, and ask him to try to help work with uh, FWP, your Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks, and the USDA Regional Plains Office in Fort Collins, Colorado.
2: Be try very to, helpful
0: to try to navigate this thing and figure out something that's going to work for everybody.
2: And this is all of like a very positive thing. Is just moving slow and and. Um, we got a lot of really good intention folks with their money tied up.
0: Yeah, it's not like, there's not like a bad guy in it, it's just a matter of, you know, you gotta have mechanisms in place to do this kind of stuff, and I think that yeah. at, at this point, it just seems like a little bit of political muscle would go a long way in helping grease this up, because yeah. again, man, you get people to come together with like this real common cause, like who can argue with, you know, the, the, the importance of Good river access, man. Like people came in and pitched in the money, and It's just kind of a shame to have that pot of money sitting there.
2: Yeah. And, and again, like anybody who's built anything, like, you know, eventually you hit a few speed bumps that slows down that, uh, finished construction date. Um, and that's really what's happening here. So, um, uh, but phone calls, emails, um, you know, and again, if you, uh, know some folks who know the folks um don't be afraid to give them a shout it's a, a real good deal oh yeah you know there's one more thing you can do if you go to www.backcountryhunters.org forward slash open fort keogh and uh i guess it's important to note that keo is spelled k-e-o-g-h um there's a bunch of good information on the whole story that i just told you and i think it'll even give you some outreach options.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Callahan. Oh. oh, if you want more from Cal, Cal's Week in Review. Yeah, check it's out the Cal's It's the only good Week thing on the internet. <laughs> it's the only thing on the internet that's of any value, is Cal's Week in
3: Review. It's, oh, thank you. It's now being used in school curriculums. Is that right, Cal? Yeah, we got... Uh, <laughs> I would, honestly, I would
2: love, 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 love if the uh, person who wrote the iTunes review for Cal's Week in Review that says you are making this uh, mandatory listening for your high school science class. Dude, to that please is Please reach great. out to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cal's Week in Review is a weekly roundup of wildlife and science news.
2: It's fun, and uh, hopefully you learn some good things, too.
0: Kids love so. it because it's got good sound effects.
2: Yeah, courtesy <clears throat> of uh, Phil.
0: Phil's the sound effects Phil the engineer. Guy. Hey, man, it's a struggle to find time to manage... One's finances. It's a struggle to find time to manage my finances. You go through like a busy week and the last thing you want to do is spend time budgeting you know, your expenses and tracking down customer service teams to cancel old s- subscriptions you're paying for that you don't use. But now you use Rocket Money and does all of that for me. I'll tell you this, this happens all the time in our family. Cause like something will come out that we want to watch and they lure you in with a one month trial and you're like, Oh, you know, I'll do the one month trial. Then I'll come back and cancel. And then I can watch this whole thing. And then like you don't, you forget about it. And then, and then a year goes by and you've been paying these guys 12 bucks all year and never watched a single thing. This finds that stuff and gets rid of it for you. Rocket money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater that's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater again rocketmoney.com slash meat eater spring is a great time to do something with your family do some spring cleaning which i kind of started today outside planning outdoor activities which i'm always doing taking a little trip to hawaii with your kids for spring break which i just did which was great you know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before I, a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And Man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Y- y- yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. OnX just launched Hunt Research Tools To simplify the process for all hunters, this tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. OnX Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt research tools, free for all OnX Hunt elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. Okay, next thing we have to talk about is I got a um. If you if you came to me and said who's the person you would, who's the person that you would uh, least want to be unhappy with you? I would say like the, Mossad, Israeli Mossad, <laughs> and then I'd say Doug Dern. <laughs> like, if it was personal, or that, that's like what I would like, like that would be the order. I want to know where I fall on the list. Oh, you've been mad at me before, haven't you? <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah, I would, I would. If someone told me, Yanni, if I came into work, and someone's like, Yanni's mad at you, I'd be like, oh, I'll talk to him. I mean, what could it be, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't be like worried about it. I okay. feel like we'd get through it,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Um, Doug's all mad at me because we, we were talking to. And, and and we're doing something we don't normally do. Is Doug Doug Duren's joined us by phone. Um, we kind of ambushed him. We we were talking to some guys, from QDMA on a on a recent episode. I think it was called the episode was called Managing Bambi. We were talking about a lot of stuff around whitetail deer. Um, oh, because it's kind of a crash course in all things whitetail deer in the news and and whatnot. And I made a mistake. I made a regrettable. I made it regrettable. I, I, I was, you know, when you're trying to make a point now and then, and you kind of oversell the point. There should be a word for that. I remember Limbaugh would, uh, Rush Limbaugh, would once said something. It's not quite it. He said like demonstrating absurdity by being absurd, meaning you like when you're like arguing, you float some like intentionally like absurd point as a rhetorical strategy. And I had said how, and I somehow we got on CWD. Chronic wasting disease, which is very serious, and I made some. Com- I made a comment that I regret. It was like it didn't. It didn't capture my sentiment. I made a comment I regret where I said, "The only thing I'm worried about with CWD is that someone would catch it, that it would jump the species barrier," and and I had said some stupid thing like, "Oh, there's all kinds of stuff that there's all kinds of stuff that kills deer, so who cares? It's just one more thing that kills deer," and what the point I was trying to make, and I didn't make it well. The point I was trying to make, I guess, is like it was that I was saying the thing that really, really scares me. The thing that really, really scares me is that hunters um, would contract chronic wasting disease from eating deer meat. Like that is extremely scary to me. And somehow some people interpreted that to be that I don't take CWD seriously or I don't think it's a serious thing or I'm somehow not concerned about it. It's like. That's definitely not true. Uh, But the thing that most scares me, the thing that most scares me was that deer meat would somehow be determined to be or would become um, essentially inedible from infected animals. That super, like, that, like... I feel that you could hold that belief. And I, my, my feelings on CWD are more complicated than that. But you could hold that belief and use just that as a thing for all the reason in the world why we should be researching, fighting, stopping prevention of. So I don't know how that got taken to be like, I'm like light on my concerns about CWD. But Doug, uh, who's joining us here, Doug explain to me, like, let's say uh, God came down and said, I hereby uh, declare that humans cannot get CWD. I've designed this disease to be uh, incapable of infecting a human. Why would people, uh, why, if you knew that to be true, why does CWD matter?
4: Well, first of all, I'd like to say that... um, if I was to make a list of people who were upset that uh, that I wouldn't want mad at me, the first one would be my wife, and the second one would be Steve Rinella. So I guess yeah, but was, the
0: Mossad will kill you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you not my wife. Um, so to answer your question, the um, you know there's and, and you know the other thing you said is that there's all kinds of stuff that that kill deer, and that is very true and. All of the different diseases that kill deer um, don't do it in a pretty way. Um, EHD doesn't kill them in a pretty way. It kills them quick. CWD doesn't kill them in a, you know, there's no pretty way of of deer dying. So beyond that, CWD um, has has an impact on the resource that isn't um, uh, just short term. Because it persists in the environment, because it, persists within the herd once you have it you essentially don't get rid of it so um so that then goes on to if you don't have it you don't want it in your area
0: yeah it's not like like meaning like ehd or what you know people call sometimes refer to as blue tongue like it passes through it passes through deer get sick some deer die it goes away and then maybe you don't see it again for 20 years
4: Right, and it's all dependent on weather and that midge and drought and all of that. And interestingly, one of the things that I've learned um, recently about EHD was that <clears throat> there were deer that were taken from northern climates and taken to um, Texas and places like that for breeding purposes. And those deer were insured, um, their lives were insured, you know, by Lloyds of London or, or some uh, a, a insurance company like that. And they would take those deer to um Someplace like Texas, where they didn't really have a problem with EHD because the deer had developed an immunity to it over time. So they take these bucks down there for breeding purposes; they get EHD an and die. Oh! And then they were collecting on the insurance policy, and now they don't insure deer anymore. But of course, what also has changed is they now take those deer to um, a breeding facility in a little tube. Um, they actually take semen there, um, now. So that's one of the things that they've learned in that. So that, that is a big difference that the, the EHD dies out and then it, the conditions have to be right for it again to, to appear again, a drought condition. And actually Spencer, uh, wrote a really good, um, a summary about EHD the other day that um, I read on your website that I, I thought was really good.
0: Yeah. At the dot um, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the the biggest thing. Once you have it, you you have it. So then, um, and then it's going to, it, it will then and then can have an impact on the resource birth both in the short and long term. Um, south of me here, um, prevalence in bucks, and you talked about this on that uh, with the two DM guys that prevalence has gotten real high. We, south of us, we have over fifty five percent prevalence in bucks. Um, one of uh, the landowners down there who um, has reached out to me and I've spent some time with bought his land for to manage for big bucks and, and, and balance hurt and all those QDM um, ideas. Um, and his, he essentially says, no, we don't see big bucks anymore. They don't get moved.
0: Um, 55%, 55% of the bucks on the ground at one given time are infected with CWD, which is always fatal.
4: That are always, That is always fatal, 55%. of You know, prevalence is, of course, based on the data that they have and, and um, the number of tests, and they're able to extrapolate all these numbers. Um, that um, prevalence is at 55% in bucks, 35% in adult does. Um, it's less both in yearling bucks and yearling does, but it's even shown up uh, down there in fawns as well. So, an always fatal disease that's going to kill that deer in two years, or something related to that disease. You know, it's like it's sort of like, um, oh, cancer, or, or you know, any any other kind of thing. You get you get sick from it, and your as your immune system, your body becomes weaker, and you end up dying. Maybe you don't die of cancer, or you don't die of you don't die of lung cancer as a smoker, but you die of of uh, uh, you know, something else that, that pneumonia, your immune system in your body. Pneumonia. Exactly. And that's actually what a fair number of deer, um, with CWD die from is uh, things like, uh, pneumonia, um, uh, you know, um, uh, choking on their own, um, you know, spit and vomit and things or not vomit, but, um, their own bodily fluids, that sort of thing, because they don't have that uh, ability to, um, to do it anymore. So that idea that while well, deer aren't, <clears throat> Well, that deer didn't die of CWD. It got um it, it, it died of pneumonia, or you know, it's it, it was it, it got killed by a predator more easily because it, its uh, defense system is down. Or because of what it does to their brain, they, they walked they you know, maybe walking out on the highway more or something like that. So there's a whole number of things that are both it uh, sicknesses and other things that can happen um, as a result. So if you want to... oh, that, go
0: ahead. No, go ahead, Doug.
4: But because that deer thanks. but because that deer is going to die of the disease within two years, imagine a year old uh, or a yearling buck or a, a, a neddle buck. He's not going make it to be he's not going to make it to be a three year- old deer. And that's what we're starting to see now. So even though in our area they predicted or south of here the endemic area, when they predicted that um, seventeen years ago, they being the department of natural resources and some of the other efforts that it's going to have a huge impact on the deer. Our deer population is still going up, but what's happened because we're, we we just have such a great place for growing deer that the models didn't maybe take that into consideration. But what is happening is it's trending to a, a younger deer population. Um, yeah, And then of course, so, um, so there's that i mean that's really the biggest the bigger impact on the resource is um you know is my concern and i think matt from qdma um who you know did a great job and i actually talked with him uh fairly regularly about this and some other issues um did a great job of, of sort of explaining uh you know some of those those things after the fact
0: so if, um, if, if uh i know you're out working right now but uh quick question for you and we'll, we'll pick this up cuz you you know you you're on the show all the time we'll talk more about it but real quick like you you've emerged as like a CWD crusader right like you're like the you might even be lo- like some I people like in your the- area might think you're like the crazy CWD guy because you're really driving awareness in your area and and I don't I'm not trying to joke cuz you're doing it in a very constructive way of of really looking for striving for solutions and striving for consensus. But I just want to ask out of all fairness because you were like pissed at me about what I said because in some ways it would be that, that you've kind of made this in a way your, your life's work and then someone like demeaning that. But if you knew, if that you were in the scenario where uh, let's say you're a 10 right now, you're like a, on a number one to 10, you're a 10 in your fight on CWD. If you knew that there was no chance for human infection, do you think you'd still be a 10? Or would you honestly be down in the seven, six, seven, eight range?
4: Um, one, I like to think I'm a CWD Avenger. Um, and two, I would be a 10. Really? And the reason for it is the impact on the resource, it's conservation. I Yes, I concern myself about um, eating venison um, and, and people eating venison, but the fact that what it does to, what it does to individual deer, but then also the impact on the resource, um, I really would. I mean, honestly, some of the things, I, I mean, you know, I used to do buck management. We don't do that anymore. I'd love to be able to do that again. Um, and could I And could I do that? Well, sure. We would still have, and we, we killed some nice bucks here last year, but um, we would still, that, that would continue to happen. But as that prevalence gets higher and higher, we, um, deer are, they're dying, and they're they're and they're not reaching those older ages. So we're not getting to that older older age class. We can debate whether deer actually need to have age class uh, deer across all the age classes or not. Whether that's you know important to the resource or not. But um, I'd love to see that again. I mean, there's nothing like seeing a big giant buck. Um, and so yeah, I would be concerned about it. And I would like to continue to no matter what. I would want to control prevalence. Um, so the percentage of deer that have it but then also the spread so that it's not going on to the next place you know one of the analogies that people have used is you keep your kid home uh, you keep your kid home from school and they're sick so they don't go and infect other other kids and, and we're kind of at the point here where on the north edge of the of the spread of Cwd that I'm trying to keep the kids home from School, so that folks north of us, so their kids aren't getting sick, so their deer aren't getting sick. Does
0: that make sense? No, it makes total sense, man. Again, Doug, well, I, 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 I yeah, well, you're on all the time. We'll have you on again to talk more about this. Uh, forgive the having to do over the phone, but like I said I got an email from Doug that said, This is an email I'd never thought I'd need to write to you, which is not how I like to start my morning.
4: Well, I, oh, John, are we, yeah. do we
0: still uh, we still love each other, right?
4: I love you, man. I really do, and <laughs> and I appreciate this. Um, appreciate the call and and the opportunity, and um, and uh, yeah, I I apologize for being a little heavy handed with some of that, but I. Um, you know, as I think I told you, I've gotten a lot of contacts about it, and every time I did, I got a little more upset with you more than I should have. And, and I tried to get people, and I hope some people have written to Meat eater because I said, "Look, let them know, not just me." So um, yeah,
0: it was uh, it was a dumb but, thing to say. It was it was I was I was making a point. Yeah. I should have said what really yeah. scares me or what especially scares me. But yeah,
4: yeah, and I um I I also want to say that in the. Of all of the work that you've done in conservation and, and, and everything you've done for conservation and the voice that you are, it's pretty hard to 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 fault you when it, we're talking about 30 seconds of time in a in a really a lifetime career. And uh, so, um, that's I guess that's part of the part of the deal. But um, I appreciate the opportunity, and you know I love you like a brother. As uh, as is the case with some of those other guys there, so um, thanks very
0: much. All right, thanks, Doug. We'll talk about it more. I just wanted to clear the air because I haven't been able to sleep at night, thinking me either, he, thinking you didn't love me. All right, <laughs> talk soon, Doug. <laughs>
4: Bye.
0: Uh, all right, we're whittling the way out of here, man. We got that taken care of now. Cal, who yeah. uh, do you want to tell your elk story? Or should I tell my elk story?
2: Um, depends on uh, what you're looking for. You know, mine's a big. Fancy private land scenario, and you're a you're a everyday man over the counter, mud
0: under the nails,
2: blue collar hero.
0: Yeah, let's hear your fancy one.
2: Um, so I I got like very spoiled spoiled kid. Um, chance to go hunt a big private ranch that is owned and operated by the Nature Conservancy in Eastern Oregon. It's called the Zumwalt Prairie Preserve, and their mission statement out there is to preserve, um, the last, um, largest contiguous chunk of bunchgrass prairie, um, uh, bunchgrass prairie ecosystem. And it is, uh, really gorgeous. It's right outside of, uh, Joseph and Enterprise, Oregon, um, which I understand are getting like more popular with, um, like, uh, your, uh, Portland tourist crowd. Out there, so folks are kind of starting to discover that area, and I actually have some friends with a ranch in that same spot, so I've been traveling out there, uh, you know, every other year or so, and, and it is big, uh, like, feeder stream tributary country for uh, Snake River, Hell's Canyon. Oh, okay. And it's, like, big, so you have those big flat top plateaus, and then these big banded kind of cliff band grassy drops all the way down into, like, really dried um, kind of desert country. Yeah,
0: it's that stuff that—it's, like, those, one of those areas where you feel like you're in the mountains because there's so much topography, but then you realize there's no, like, uplift.
2: Oh, yeah. you It's get just, on like, top a big flat thing. Like...
0: It's, like, a flat thing that's been washed away rather than a jaggy thing that's been shelved up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's—yeah, it, it, you could travel the tops in a mountain bike, you know, with, with no trail almost. So, um but so they're there. It's this big private junk with an access component. There are uh, cow elk hunters starting out there. Um, the same time I was, the opening day in that uh, area is August 24th. Really? August 24th. Dude, yeah. that seems like early to be hunting, man. Hunting it elk. is,
0: but um, like in Alaska, they're full swing by then, but here it seems, feels weird.
2: I'll tell you. Colorado that. starts archery elk in August. Are they
4: hard horned? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, we, we spotted a few that were like still had plenty of uh, velvet okay. hanging off of them, yep. you know, but they had started to shed. It was, it was cool, um, but um, big bachelor groups of bulls and uh, not all playing grab ass yet. There was like a little bit of that winding up. And it. I mean, I would tell anybody who can, you know, I mean, you got to diversify and like watch those animals every opportunity you get. Cause it's just like really neat, interesting herd dynamic stuff when all those bulls are together and where you can see like how everybody beds down and the biggest bulls are like so covered up by everybody. Oh really? Yeah. Like I'll take the middle boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, that spot right next to the rock that you can't really see what's coming up behind you. Why don't you take that? <laughs> I'm going to be down here in this hole. Um, and then, yeah, they, like they'd get up and stretch and then they'd like look at each other and go over there and like gently, gently tap antlers together for, for and then they'd be like, oh, I'm going to eat some more. Yeah. Um, and then, but then get like real aggressive on a tree and uh-huh. then somebody, it was just interesting. You could just like see the wheel starting to turn like, oh yeah, that makes me want to do something, but I know it's not quite <laughs> time yet. And it's super fun. And I'll tell you, you never felt like such a bugling pro because every I would say eighty percent of my bugles were responded to.
0: Like they're just getting to where they feel like they want to bugle.
2: Yeah. And so you like you bugle and be like blue, 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 but you know, (laughs) nobody's like, What did you say? It's all like, Yeah, I'm over here. You know? But they're
0: not like running toward you.
2: Oh no, no. Um, but it, they like they like doing it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, and uh, certainly not a situation where you have that monkey on your back. Like, boy, I only got a couple of days, and I haven't found elk yet. Yeah. You know, like it was. It was pretty amazing. Uh, one spotted a couple of raghorn bulls underneath a tree. Went over there, checked them out, and started well, looking. Got around. close to them. And there's like. 16 bulls in there. Man. 16. You know, you're just like, oh my God. Like giants too or what? Um, so according to uh, Chad Dotson, who is a preserve steward. So if you have an antlered tag mm-hmm. out on the preserve, you have to be accompanied by a preserve steward. Okay. Um, For what purpose? Uh, I think it's, it's purely because those tags are... Um, such high value because they're, they're used as, um, uh, fundraiser tags for, um, uh, all these local. So basically it's set up, um, like a grant. So Mm -hmm. all the, uh, charities in that area can basically apply for one of these tags to then use as a major fundraiser for that group. But they want to prevent what from happening. Well, I think it's it's more of like, hey, you have this very special thing. We want to make sure it's a special thing for you to kind of maintain the value of the tag. Um, and so the preserve stewards go out and they're like, you know, I would probably hold off on shooting that bull because if we just look a little bit longer, we're going to find something bigger and something older.
0: Yeah, presumably they know all the property boundaries. and Yeah, you know.
2: yeah, definitely know the property boundaries and... and um The uh, they get elk living a long time out there too, and uh,
0: individual elk getting old,
2: yeah. And they um, part of the deal out there, like if you're a rifle hunter, you got to use non lead ammunition. Um, everybody's required to uh, there's a big uh, survey questionnaire that you got to fill out um, after the hunt, you got to send in um, a tooth so they can biopsy it. Got you. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's super neat stuff and, and really cool program.
0: And didn't you trip and fall and almost land on a bear skull? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which was just like a total. So, the interesting part here is, yes, I I shot an elk. Turned out to not be a good shot. Like, the interesting stuff came after. And um, so, I shoot uh, the bull... I, it was a 24-yard shot. How was it not a good shot? I thought it fell right off. Yeah, oh. yeah. But this is like all this after-the-fact stuff. So, you know, I have this great shot. I have all the time in the world. Take my time. Well within my comfort range. Hunt with your E-curve bow. This was with the longbow. Okay. Um, And I shoot. The bull reacts. The sound of the arrow hitting the bull it was very familiar as like that sounds like a very good shot. Um, like sounded like bone and lung. And, you know, cause it kind of had that like crunch mm-hmm. kind of sound to it. Um, that was my like little deflation type sound. And um and the this is a huge bodied bull. And he's got this really distinct old man bugle. Um But then when he stepped out, he's like not that big of a antlered bull. Um, But it was, you know, too good to pass up. And uh, the bull reacts like he is immediately falling over. And he runs, and this is on a very steep slope, like I said, like on that edge of the canyon. And uh, he reacts like he's falling over the whole time and running faster than any healthy animal would down this slope then all of a sudden somehow hits the brakes makes a 90 degree turn takes a couple of steps on this what turns out to be a game trail and disappears from sight Um, at that point i'd ripped a big bugle uh yeah my theory is like bugle particularly with big bulls after they're hit um because i find that they react better to like their anger sense of anger like they like hear, he might,
0: thinking you might pause him.
2: Thinking that another bull hit him. Yeah. Right? Um, and so he, and he turned and hit that trail, went out of sight, and I'm waiting. And then I hear crack. Boom. 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 And I kind of like laughed to myself like, yeah, it sounds like you fell all the way to the bottom. Har har. And... And he had. He had, yeah. So, the, the and there's a lot of logistics talk on this. Boston antlers all the way down and whatnot. It is pitch black by the time I start trailing, but because of that crashing noise, I'm very confident that I'm going to recover the animal. Um, you know, up until now, like, everything's, like, out of a dusty playbook, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, this scenario. So, go down. I, I find it was actually easier to track in the moonlight Um, oddly enough, or not in the headlamp light, um, because like there's so much elk sign over there, but like the big digger marks of this bull running so crazy just seemed to pop out more in the headlamp. More in the light. Yeah. And, uh.
0: More in the headlamp or more in the moonlight? More
2: in the headlamp. It was pitch black. There is no moonlight. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke. And, uh, so I'm tracking him then I find the arrow and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. First of all, I'm like, I am the best tracker in the world. I found the arrow on the pitch black, and then I looked at the arrow, and I'm like, I am a terrible shot because... Where'd you hit him? Uh, I ended up hitting him in the front low on the front left leg. So, I mean, the bottom, uh, basically like the bottom of the shoulder, um, above, above the elbow, um, and... Uh, that leg broke. Oh. But it didn't break on impact, it broke when he, this is all, right, my assumptions here of the data I collected, but it broke once he took a couple of steps on that game trail. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I have the bone with the broadhead in it and there's a big spiral fracture up and the break was actually below the impact of the broadhead and then that sent that bull tumbling downhill. That caused him to fall off the cliff. And he fell off three cliffs. And I'm, you know, I'm picking my way down through this stuff, but that whole bull, and this is the biggest bodied elk I have ever, certainly ever taken myself. But that whole bull was, you know, somewhere between six and 10 feet off the ground three different times.
0: Oh. And, uh. I had to have with a mountain goat one time. We wound up with like,
2: 13 pounds or something to meet. This was the, I wish I could, I do wish I could somehow contextualize this properly and then, and then show the pictures online because the, the trauma is, is just ghastly. And, uh, I did make the comment. I'm like, man, I wonder if Oregon fish and game would slip me a cow tag. Cause I don't know if any of this is going to be usable, but the rock slides, um, that the bull had to have gone through. He was traveling so fast that there was very, very little blood. Um, there was zero hair, which I found just unbelievable. Um, but I f- at first like I'm like, well, this is the way he had to go and I can't find any sign of it. it's all active rock slides, so they're all smooth. yeah and uh, and then I see this rock that looks like somebody hit it with a hammer you know, like all chipped white and broken. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is it odd? And then I look and I'm shining the headlamp around and I can see the bright white inside of uh, an antler. Like the core of the antler is shining bright white. Yeah. And it's like reflective almost. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's a chunk of an antler and then there's a chunk of an antler and then there's a no chunk of an way. antler. And then I, I can see... Like more busted rock, just same, same way. Like you're just whacking it with a hammer every 10 feet. And then I can see the roots of a tree tipped over and I'm like, oh, well, that's fresh. And then, yeah, that was like really every bit of 10 feet, but I'm trying to like.
0: Like his body hit the tree and uprooted the tree.
2: Yeah. And then off this major cliff and then, and I have to like jump down probably like a five foot drop section and. I'm trying not to fall and slide off and I look between my feet and there's like a pinky size tip of a horn tip of an antler tip right in between my feet and I'm like, oh, one piece at a time. Um, Like that Johnny Cash song and... uh, Can't stand that song. It's fitting under these circumstances, man. And, And yeah, so then I continue down the slide path but it's just so odd, right? And it's like that when you're tracking at night. I'm like, okay, here he's going to be. And then he's no out. I'm like, there's just, it's not, I have dropped so much elevation, right? And I'm always like very hesitant to drop elevation unless I really know. But I, I'm, so I'm crossing little side gaps off the list and then going down. And then all of a sudden go through this next cliff band and I slip. And fall hard. And I look over with my headlamp and there's this bear skull just grinning at me.
3: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's awful ominous. Man. A bad omen. Oh, man. Warning, warning. It
2: really gave me a stop, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like that bear had laid down and died right there. Because it is just perfect. And like the canine sitting there eyes looking at me or the eye sockets looking at me.
0: And he says, Your bull is gone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, you know, I just it was like, what put you and me here at the same same time? Like you should spot I shouldn't be here or something. And so yeah, that kind of just threw me for a loop. Um, Because when do you ever see that? And uh I'd go a little bit further. At that point, um uh Chad and, uh, Lauren yeah. had, uh, gotten all the way around to the bottom. So they'd gone all the way to the back and I was like, Hey, grab my chainsaw, um, grab, you know, here's like the list of things. What the hell did and, you
0: want a chainsaw for?
2: Cause I didn't know the condition of the two track road in the bottom. Oh. Um, if we could use that saw to like cut some dead timber out of the way or just yeah. make things easier, you know, and they had to go through there anyway. So I figured why not? Um, and you know, at this point, I'm like 200 yards off the bottom, like the bottom bottom, and Chad starts hiking up, and about a hundred feet from like the actual creek bottom is that bull all piled up, and so he actually got to him before I did. In a total mess. Yeah, in in a in a total mess, man. And just yeah, so that bull could have been a six by six, but now it's a two by three. Two by four. If the way it broke, you would count like the continuation of the main beam as a point. <laughs> <laughs> there was the sheared off part of the main beam as a point. Yeah. So um what
0: a disaster.
2: Yeah, and the thing is huge. Like it is a huge bowl. And man, start cutting that thing. And like and I made the, the comment, I'm like, man, it looks like you got shot with a shotgun. Cause it's just like peppered from that ride down the mountain. And, uh, so I, I start at the anus, right. And I'm cut up and I start peeling that hide back and it, you know, all these bulls I've been watching through the phone scope and like watching for days. And I'm just remarking the whole time how fat they are. Oh my God, look at the fat. Like you can see it ripple, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just not something you see even early in that typical archery season so they've been doing a lot of running and um and this fat is like obliterated it is particulate fat oh yeah like that was the cushion and it is a mess and it's god-awful and i'm just sick to my stomach but um then you kind of get through that that layer of fascia um right above the meat and everything started looking clean um but i just yeah the the pictures are yeah, I mean, I sent you guys, I think Giannis is like, what am I looking at? It's just like, but like the anus was blown out of it. All the ribs were broken uh, right below the spine on hmm. one side. On the opposite side, when I started to cut the loin out, um, I made like half a cut in that fascia layer and the loin just dropped into my hands. Like it had completely, it had detached from the spine and the ribs. Um, you know, I, t- well, I think I told
0: you probably 10 times, but when I had that mountain goat that fell 1,200 feet, its skull was open, its brain was gone, and no. I found its lung t- tucked up between its shank and its hide
2: no on way. his ankle. Ugh. Yeah, man.
0: No skinning, no necessary skinning, cuts. the hide had completely separated. was just held on by the hooves. Wow.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I didn't. It, it, this is just kind of one of those things, right? It's like, uh, uh, who knows? Like the thing. It's I just found a, there's amazing. not a lot. There's not
0: like a lot of lessons to learn here.
2: I think the lesson is like, had you just taken it at face value, and like not been a heart eater, you would have been like, oh, slipped her through the shoulder and whacked him in the heart. But I dug the heart out, and I'm like, there is definitely not a broadhead hole in this thing. Hmm. Um. I did find bruising inside the heart. And oh, I, I asked the... a EMT buddy, I'm like, you uh, figure like if there's a cardiac arrest type situation, there'll be bruising inside the heart. And uh, he said, typically it comes from a blockage outside the heart. And so there's not bruising inside the heart, but maybe somebody can write in and let us know about that. I'm like, really old elk freaked out, had a heart attack. And that's, you uh, know. <laughs> But, so
1: you're but you're saying this because you don't know what killed it.
2: The, the arrow placement may have killed it eventually, but it didn't kill it that fast.
4: And right. He so slipped the, and fell.
2: The lesson to be learned, or the takeaway for me, right, is like, you aren't as good as you think you are with that bow, because you definitely made a mistake. No. So um, that's, that's a good lesson, and I got really freaking
3: lucky, man. So did you try any of the meat yet?
2: Uh, all I've, all I have eaten is the heart. And then, uh, I had a couple of friends in town, um, that weekend and they helped butcher. And so I sent them with some of the meat, um, and they, they were there for the butchering job, but like inside those loins, there would be, um, just, if they, it looked like actual like burst blood vessels in there. Yeah. And so they, um, they actually, um. They were they're like camping across the country, and uh, they cooked cooked it up, and they said it was really good,
0: exceptionally tender.
2: (laughs) But yeah, man, I mean, and that's I'll take a pack of that. That's yeah, definitely. The I don't know. I I I one another takeaway is like you just you're never as long as you hunt as many of these scenarios as you see, they're all unique, and you're Mm -hmm. never gonna get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, I've seen that. Let me tell you what happened. You know, so I like that part of yeah, it.
0: Last but, time I had a big bull fall off a cliff.
2: Yeah, but we figured, um, you know, every every bit of 600 vertical feet that bull went. So, Ugh. yeah.
0: Yeah. You think about that, Phil, the engineer?
2: Uh, I don't know. If it were on tracks, it'd be a fun roller coaster. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> That's
0: the best Phil's got. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, did you like that story? Yeah, yeah, it was great. I had heard some of, some of it before, but uh, the bear skull is new. Like You like that yeah, touch? that was a good one. Oh, yeah. Good. So you're enjoying yourself down there? Yeah. Having a great time. Good. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it slash meat eater applying for tags each year in the west can be daunting y- y- yeah i apply for everything everywhere it's daunting you have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply well this is a thing of the past now Onx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters this tool helps organize the data that matters makes comparing hunt options easy and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings on x hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to hunt and fool who i use for boots on the ground insight and knowledge and a membership to hunt reminder so you never miss another deadline stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024 check out on x hunt research tools Free for all on X Hunt elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use Code Eater to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com/ hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver And make sure to use code MeatEater for ten percent off your purchase. That's HeartAndSoil.co. Use the code MeatEater.
2: And it's so hot, you know. We were, we got that thing back and got the meat all hung up, cooling. Um. Uh, three a.m. was probably in bed by four a.m. Yeah, that's that's what you sign up for when you are shooting bulls at night in the in the heat, right? Yeah, yeah. So I hate doing that too. Like I've I've called her quits early many nights because I am like, man,
1: just don't feel like doing that whole yeah. situation.
2: Yeah, man.
1: Um, I know next week when we're hunting elk together, I sure hope you kill one in the morning. It <laughs> makes life that much easier. Well, it that's does. that's
0: the story I am going to tell right now. About me and my brother went out. I- Elk hunting.
2: You could start off by saying, uh, let me tell you how it should be Let me tell you
0: how it should work. (laughs) So we uh opening morning here, just not too long ago. Oh, week ago? Whatever the hell it was. A little over a week ago. Um
1: No, a week will be tomorrow.
0: Week tomorrow. Well, it opens on Saturday and we on Friday night, not filming, just out monkeying around like the old days. We on Friday night. In the afternoon, start uh, we had we had uh, his llamas with us. We had four pack llamas, and we started hiking up into the mountains to an area he wanted to go and hit. Um, and we start in the afternoon; it's raining, it's all muddy, and just kind of nasty. But we knew he had a good day. Such
1: coming. nasty weather that I was even looking at you guys going, man, you might want to change directions yep. or change locations. Because it looked like a real shit day to walk into the Oh, mountains.
0: start when you gotta like get when you get out of the truck and it's pouring rain and you're going back in for a couple nights. So I was like, oh, really? But then you can't back out, because then what's the point of being alive? So we start going um and we get into an area where he thinks like he's expecting we should be. Seeing something, seeing hearing something, seeing something, but then it's like hard to rule out because like well it's raining. At first he's like, man, the rain's really putting them down, you know, like they're not out. But then all of a sudden it was like, bah! like the the skies part, and it's like this beautiful evening, and we're sitting there as it gets dusk, and we got a good vantage, and just like nothing, nothing. So when it gets dark and we kick around, like man, you know maybe they'll be out in the morning, but we decided to keep walking, and we walked another couple hours through the dark and um, got to the point where we were about seven miles from where we parked. And then we we were starting to hear some ripping, um, like good bugling. And set up and slept there for the night, got up in the morning and just kind of like got out at eight in the morning. Not eight in the morning, but we ate breakfast in the morning. You know what we ate? You know... uh. It's pretty damn good, man.
2: Was it a bunch of sinew and no, scraps? And no, it was like Tupperware normal teams? normal
0: mat meal. No, because I brought it. It was that, was that, What's the Heather's or pantry? Oh, about.
2: Heather's Choice. The breakfast? Dude. Dude, they're like rocket Dude, fuel. Dude, that was good, I man. Think. Yeah, that
0: was good. Yeah. We ate some of those. I brought some of those. Yeah, and Matt and normally would be eating like sinew. Oh, you know another quick Matt story? He doesn't normally eat, I don't think. Breakfast. He doesn't like to eat. He use, He still uses an old school alcohol stove which I mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, want me to grab my jet boil?" And he goes, "No, cuz like it to be quiet cuz when I'm cooking, I want to listen for bugles." <laughs> <laughs> and he uses the alcohol stuff cuz it makes zero noise. Like yeah. a jet boil's loud.
1: Yes, but I would argue that it's so, such an inefficient use of time that, that jet loud jet boy, sure, you might be not hearing something for about two minutes, <laughs> but you, at least you get to eat before 10 p.m. Because you're waiting <laughs> on that alcohol stove, man. Dinner's late.
0: Yeah, but he said, I pressed him on it. He said, I'm never in a hurry. And when I'm cooking, I want to listen for bugles. He just likes his alcohol stove. I didn't argue with him. He likes his alcohol stove. But he told me a great story. He carries with him. A portable bow press. Have you seen one of these? Oh. It's like a cable with a little screw attachment on the hand crank. He carries a portable bow press with him out in the woods. Somehow he got he had ran into some problem and wished he had one. Oh, he was with his wife one time and something happened and his bow popped off the came off one of the cams. And him and his wife were able to wrestle that bow back into submission and got it restrung. So then she goes out and buys him a portable bow press. And he's working a group of elk. This is not art. This is this is just him alone. He's out working a group of elk with and he had his portable bow press that his wife bought for him with him. He's working a group of elk and slips on a rock in a stream channel and falls down and busts the peep sight off his bowstring. Ooh. And he carries like basic stuff like anybody was, but he doesn't carry like who carries an extra peep sight? Maybe I'm sure thousands not of me. Pe- thousands of people do, but not he doesn't have an extra peep sight. Check this out. He's way the hell back in the mountains. His peep sight broke. He starts looking around through all of his gear and realizes that the button on his pants has like that little rim around the periphery. hmm Okay. Hollows out the hole in the button on his pants. Takes his portable bow press and installs his pants button in as his peep sight. And then shoots and kills a bull with it. Wow. Oh, God. That's some real Blessing. MacGyver stuff right there, That's some man. woodsmanship. Yes. He kills a bull with a pants button. <laughs> Never say quit. Never say die. Oh. So anyhow, we get out in the morning and we start working these bulls. And we're, we're like, it was, it was like, you know, like those days. It's like the days you dream of having, right? No one around. We got three bulls out in front of us ripping and all of a sudden we're like trying to keep track of who's where, cows going off and all of a sudden there's another bull coming from behind us. We reposition, like this this new bull just like shows up out of nowhere, Ah, bugling. He kind of sweeps through and sort of bypasses us, but like he's bypassing us because there's this whole circus going on out in front of us, right? And he's like coming to join the good times. But the main good times are the bulls that are in front of us, not us. And he kind of, but he still comes through, passes at 100 yards, goes in to join the whole shit show going on out in front of us. Eventually, like th- some of these more vocal bulls, they seem to go up this slope. We're kind of looking down into a bottom, and we like, they kind of bugle up and over. And Matt, he knows the area a little bit. And he's like, man, he goes, I bet I bad know where they're going. So. We circle around to try to get out ahead of him, thinking, like, we'll just get out ahead of him and try to set up again. And then we look across the drainage and find this other bull bedded down out in the open. like, And it's overcast. It's a cool day. And uh, he's just bedded out in the open with two cows feeding right next to him. And we get to looking at him. And we're like, man, that thing, the way he's positioned, like, the land features are such that you just know right where he is. Like, it's, like, so obvious where he is. And there's this cliff band behind him. And we just drop everything and circle back around. It takes us about 30 minutes. And we just know exactly where he is because the landscape features are like, you just can't mess it up. So we go back around and get up on this cliff band above him. And we know that we're 110 yards. We can tell we're 110 yards from where we know that bull's bedded. And I'm on top of this little rock pile cliff band. It's not big. You know, you could throw a rock, you know, and hit a grouse off the edge of the cliff band. It's not too far. But, uh, I'm up there, and Matt creeps down to the foot of the cliff band, thinking there's no way, you know, it'd take like a act of God, right? To call a bull up through this thing. But he gets down in there and and he and he realizes once he's down he goes, Man, I feel like I could he, he says I could recognize the tree that bull was on. Under. And I even thought I could see part of it, but wasn't sure I could see part of it. And I ripped a bugle and he said he's still like, he's still trying to be like, is that the bull? He goes, the minute I bugle, that thing just stands up and bugles and is coming. Oh. Like, just coming. Coming so hard that he draws his bow back. Mm. It's because he doesn't want to have to get busted when he goes to draw his bow back. Did
1: you even try cow calls? You went no, right I, I was bugle. doing the whole
0: litany. I was doing a Yanni Patelis. But I it a,
1: wasn't until you bugled that he came. The you first were hurting
2: thing all I did, yourself?
0: I feel like the first thing I did, I know the first thing I did was ripped a bugle. I was doing a combo Yanni Phelps. The only thing that made it not a Yanni Patel is I wasn't beating brush yet, but I was gonna to get to that in a minute.
1: You hadn't rolled. You probably didn't want to rolling rocks and laying on your brother's rock. head.
0: No, and I got his damn dog tied up. So <laughs> he hunts that little dog, and the dog's such a low riding dog. That little corgi, the elk can't usually see it anyway. And the dog like is the most obedient dog in the world. He like he goes so much as like to that dog, and that dog stands behind him and walks behind him. Like the dog knows what's up. And he knows you're hunting elk. He's part of the team. Oh, part of the team. But because we got two of us, and, and I'm calling, and Matt's going out ahead. I grab that dog's collar and the dog attacks me. <laughs> Cause he doesn't like to be far, he doesn't like to be far from Matt. So I took a chunk of paracord and tied a slipknot around that dog's neck so he couldn't get away without strangling himself. And I tied him to a bush. And at one point I was trying to get a look down in there to see what's going on. And I leapt forward and it broke the dog's heart. Cause he's like, now that my owner's gone, now this guy's leaving too and I'm tied to a noose. So then I backed up because I felt so bad for the dog just giving me this horrible look. But um, yeah, So he said, as soon as I bugled, then I was, then I was calling too because then he starts bugling and I can hear him down there just ripping. So then I'm doing the whole, I'm just making the whole show. And Matt says he draws back, the bull crosses in front of him at 32 yards and he, he's going to walk right through. And Matt just gave him a little whistle noise just to, get, just to stop him. And the bull stops and Matt shoots And I hear like the shot. I hear the boom, the pumpkin thump. And I'm like, hell yeah, man! I come running down, and Matt's all distraught. See, like he didn't see the arrow hit, and he's like, man, I feel like if it like if it didn't hit where I was looking, I don't know where. You know, he's (laughs) all worked up. The dog keeps trying to trail the elk. The dog's like already gone because this dog is a trail. This dog trails elk. He like this dog's incredible, shifty. So he's like telling his dog to get back and we went and took a nap on a rock Um, and I'm laying there taking my nap and at one point looking at dogs just got his nose up in the air and his dog is like dying to go and he's like just sniffing air and I sniffed too and I'm like it smells like a dead whatever a dead bull smells like it smells <laughs> like a dead bull it smells like hot blood bull it's like the strongest most potent elk smell you could smell and even the dog's like dude what in the world what are these guys doing <laughs> And Matt's, like, curled up. I'm thinking about taking a picture of Matt sleeping on a rock in the fetal position. And, you know, you, you always go to negativity, you know, because it's the best place to go. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, that thing's just laying dead right there. Like, it wrapped right. around the hill and <laughs> fell over dead. And so when I'm laying there thinking, like, my God, that smell. Like, the wind would shift, and I'd just get the smell. I'm like, that has to be, like, an elk right there. We're laying, like, 40 yards from this elk. 40? I mean, it's just, like, right there. Yeah, because the way we went to find a rock to sleep on, like when he shot the bull, the bull wrapped around a little mound and we kind of went on the mound. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Then we went like back down off the mound, found the blood trail and basically wrapped around in a half loop to like back around where that go, almost like where we just were. And we're going at first, there's no blood. Matt's like, I knew it. I blew it. I'm the worst person on the planet. Then also there's like a big pile of blood. And I'm thinking, cause I'm already in a spot of negativity feeding off his negativity. You know when you get a bad hit on something that there's, like, no blood, but then you find blood, and it's only because it stood there for Mm -hmm. an hour trying to figure out what's going on, and you find that pile of blood, and you're like, this will be the last blood we find. Because he stopped and stood here for 45 minutes, seeing what's going on, and then he clots up and walks off, and it was just a muscle wound. And we see this big pile of blood, and then I almost got, like, a more negative feeling because I was like, oh, he stopped and stood. It's never good when they stop and stand. But then I look, and the dog's licking up a pile of blood that looks like the size of a TV tray. <laughs> and the dog's, like, just eating blood. And then the dog moves along, and I look, and here's the bull all tangled up. I mean, this thing was like, we were, like, taking a nap on it. Like, it was just like <laughs> right, It's all, like, very confined. Like, it was all this right there. He's just, like, laying there dead or dead. I don't know how we didn't hear it pile up. Oh. Got it all cut up. And,
2: and Matt have any uh,
0: he, he gave me a hug. response? He gave me a hug. He wanted to have a hug
2: hmm that's awesome. he
0: gave me a long hug meanwhile the damn dog doesn't even realize the elk's standing there because the dog, the dog likes to eat all the blood as it goes along <laughs> uh-huh. so it's like lapping up blood bulls laying there everybody's all happy had a big hug cut it all up went and got his llamas um brought it back to where we were sleeping hung it up in a tree get the elk hung in a tree decided let's go have a look worked another bull Ugh screaming his face off he comes in I, I couldn't see him the way he came in he probably came to 70, 70 yards before he ghosted it off slept woke up and here's where the here's where the bad part of the story happens all night I can't sleep because the bull's ripping like it's like they're it's like they're ripping in our no in our tent, man. Mm-hmm. And then cows keep getting like, they know we're like sleeping there. So like, you're like, you fall asleep. And then all of a sudden there's one going, rrr, rrr, <laughs> like warning barking. And you think like they're all going to leave, but they like, don't leave. Oh, it's a weird night. And I'm just like, dude, this is the most amazing thing. And we get up and we had to be hunting in this place. There's a, there's like, there's seasonal motorized, motorized use through this area. And. It's a, this, this is kind of such a weird story, man. I almost hesitate to get into it. There's an outfitter that hunts this area, but he does drop camp stuff. But mm-hmm. he has this very big-ass drop camp. And he generally hikes in hike hunters and sets up this big drop camp and, and guys hunt out of this big drop camp. Somehow this guy, he used to not allow dudes to do this, but somehow he opened it up and allows motorcycle guys now. Like a, a, a horse pack in drop camp Inhabited by guys on dirt bikes. Yeah, that doesn't fit. It's just, right? Whatever, whatever. He used to not allow it, now he allows it. Right. Okay. So he'll pack in a big, he'll pack in his wall tents and everything, establish this big base camp where he can go fetch elk on mules, but then guys can ride into the camp on dirt bikes because they're scared of grizzlies. So they like to have a big, elaborate place to go sleep at night where they don't have to be scared of grizzlies. They don't want to sleep out, like just out in the mountains. They want to sleep at like a big place with all this hubbub going on.
1: Yeah, and he's got a big, uh, he's got a big electric fence around the camp. Yeah, right? so these yeah.
0: guys, these dirt bike guys, are scared of grizzlies, but they want to hunt the area. One of these guys was saying once that he can't even go, uh, he can't even go drop a deuce without bringing someone with me. So scared of grizzlies.
2: Oh, so that's here's not the, a, that's not a comfortable. Uh, experience.
0: No, and we're in this meadow and he's Elkman ripping all night in this meadow and we get up in the dark and we're getting, we go up into the edge of the timber. So we're looking down and we're like, okay, as soon as the light comes up, we're going to see what's going on and, and make a plan. And all of a
2: sudden
0: And again, man, this trail's open up until something, it, it's seasonally open, not to like quads. September it's seasonally open to, to dirt bikes. And Matt's like, he just wants to drift off the trail. And I'm like, I'm like mildly annoyed. And I stop and express my annoyance to the dirt biker. But it's like, I feel bad about it because it is legal. But it's like, it'd be legal for me to be up there with a marching band.
2: Uh, y- as if long as I determined just out having no, fun. No, if
0: I determined that it was most effective to hunt with a marching band, it would be legal for me to be up there with a marching band. It's not illegal.
2: As long as you're not having like a... Gathering for uh, oh, because I'd be oversized. Yeah. Okay, I could
0: legally be up there with a five-man marching band yeah.
3: with a trumpeter,
0: like uh, the Calvary. I could have a trumpeter. Yes. I could have the cavalry. I'm not breaking law, so it's like we're not debating legality. It's not. It's like sure. There's all kinds of stuff that's legal, but is it smart when you're in like the prime and and I know where there camp. There's elk. We're in it. The elk eventually move out, but they're in it. Like, is that smart? Like, or is it better to maybe wait till 11 in the morning and do your travel on a motorcycle and not it's, blow through? And you can't, and here's the thing. It's hunting spots
2: when, or hunting elk, right?
0: It's like you, when you're, when you're on it, you can't hear bugling. So you're blowing through, you're, bl- you're like, you're blowing through a meadow where elk are ripping and you don't know they're ripping. Yeah. Yeah
2: it just yeah what but just the guy so, the guy's hunting a spot he's not hunting right. elk right so he's like i go to this spot and there's usually elk there so i got to get to that spot and by making that choice you have then eliminated for most circumstances you've you've eliminated hunting elk in the transition zone between trailhead and the the spot that you're going
0: yeah. to. Yeah. No, I feel horrible about it. I feel horrible about did it. Did you ask the guy? Yeah, what you he said, him? where are you camping? I said, right here.
2: But did you ask the guy
1: what his uh, motivation was to be rip, ripping on the he dirt He said he's headed
0: off. Him. He goes, oh, don't worry because
2: we're headed. But, yeah, I mean, how would he know? I, I just feel bad about it. I feel bad about it. It is, because I've been at uh, trailheads. I I killed a a bull.
0: We're nowhere near near a trailhead.
2: Um, But I started at a trailhead with a guy unloading his motorbike, and I'd throw on my backpack and start as if to go down the trail, and the guy's like, well, where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm heading down the trail until I hear a bugle. Well, I was going down this trail. I was (laughs) like, man, you can... I, I knew that country very well, and I'm like, you can... Drive 150 miles on this trail. <laughs> and I'm like, um, it I'm just not, goes and goes and circles yeah, around. And, I'm not, I'm not going to get that far. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure you're going to get further than I am. Um, you know, and it's pitch black. And, and, um, I ne- never did see the guy that, that day, but went about, um, several miles further than I should do. And then I killed a bull that morning. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I still don't know. I feel Like I said, I feel guilty about it because, like, you know, I feel guilty about it, but I also feel like, come on, man.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, that's the nice part, though, is you know that they're going to miss plenty of opportunities using that means of travel, and they're going to find opportunities that you're not using that means of travel.
0: Yeah, the smart thing would have been just to do it, just to slip off, just to ghost off the trail. And then rip a big old bugle.
1: What if he wasn't hunting? And he just decided to be at dawn. I wouldn't have cared at all. Right.
0: There's plenty of dudes in those little evil Knievel suits driving those trails in, during the daytime in motorbikes. I wouldn't, like, that's not even, that's not my business. It's like, yeah. the, there's plenty of pleasure riders. But the thing, the assumption you make is like, they're usually in the cold gray light at dawn, turn not out. Right? They kind of go, they're like, they ride out in the daytime.
2: Pleasure cruising. Mm-hmm. That, That's what struck me. as weird. Is like, you're hunting. You're hunting. That zoomwalt deal, we would get up at normal, way early archery elk season hunting time. hmm You know, 4 a.m. wake up. And then basically have, get our gear ready. Get uh, sandwiches ready for the day. Have a couple cups of coffee. Wait for it to start getting light. And then get going, just based off the fact that we know if we tried to go anywhere at night, we'd be bumping elk the whole time.
0: Yeah. You know. Me and Yanni were in the exact opposite situation yesterday where we, were, we went out in the morning out to a state chunk to do some rifle shooting. We met up there at 7.30 a.m. to do some gun shooting. And it turns out there were there some dudes trying to bow hunt the state section. And they came and expressed their... One of them came and expressed his displeasure. Yeah. 7.30 in the morning? You got to come out shooting guns?
2: Yeah. Early
0: early September? Fair point.
2: Multi-use. And we're kind of like, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I got you. I got you. It's like... I wasn't like, it's legal! (laughs) I was like, yeah... Those kind of make me feel no, a bad. Fe- it kind of makes yeah. you feel like
1: you did. Yeah. No, for sure. And the thing is, too, like, if there had been any sign, I think, that somebody was hunting it, we probably would have made plan B. Definitely. You know, but there, we had no idea.
0: No, and if I had known, you know, but then I was like, you know, it's just, you have these weird interactions. It would it, always be better if someone could tell you, hey, tomorrow, you're going to have a weird interaction, and here's what's going to happen. Then you could plan out, like, oh, here's what I'll do when I have that interaction. I'll be real cool. Yeah. And I'll have, you know... I'll express this complex. That
1: wouldn't be much fun. <laughs>
0: no, instead you're like, ah, ah, it's legal.
1: Ah. ah. One last question here. I know we got to wrap it up. Yeah, I'm done. But um, did you miss your uh, production crew? Out no, there no. Just, just your brother and Shifty?
0: No. no, Didn't miss anything about it. <laughs> I took some cell phone videos. It was so good being back out with my brother.
1: Yeah.
2: I uh, Dude, yeah. it was
0: so good. That's why I didn't even want to shoot. Just wanted to have, you know, let him, you know. Oh, it was fun. Party. of
2: he wasn't thinking if I just nose over this cliff a little bit, I might be able to snag that bull out from the I, I was
0: enjoying <laughs> myself so much I didn't want to shoot.
2: That's awesome. I love it.
0: Dude, it was fun, man. He's a good hunter, man. Yeah. He's a good hunter, like, just because of the, just the grrrr.
2: I love Matt, but an he sounds like a head amount, case out
0: there. An, an enormous amount of gur.
2: Sounds like a head case, though. Oh, sounds yeah. like he does a lot of like. Dude, he's, the Bulls have him beat before he gets on the trail a lot dude, of times. No,
0: he's like Mad Jack. Remember Grizzly Adams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a crazy guy wandering the hills, <laughs> man. I'm sure these guys, I'm sure people are like, oh, and there's an insane person that wanders the hills <laughs> out here. You'll see him.
3: He uses an alcohol stove and takes his time cooking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Likes to
1: listen for bugles. <laughs> he's got a button for a peep. <laughs> he's yes. got his pants button for a peep site. you'll know his camp because there will be <laughs> fifty half gallon bottles of vodka and gin strown about. But he's not drinking at all.
0: No, he They're just for carrying water. That's one thing I laughed about is because when he packs in his lounge, they got they don't have that much to carry. So he packs in tons of water and he drinks gin and tonics. And so all of his water bottles are two liter tonic bottles and, and half gallon vodka bottles. <laughs> and if you look, you can see the ratio. When he empties his, his panniers out, you can see the ratio of like his ratio of vodka. Like it takes him like three, it takes him like three two liter bottles of tonic to get through a half gallon of vodka. So the ratio is like fixed. It'd be like six half gallons of vodka, and 18 bottles of tonic all full of <laughs> drinking water in a pile. He just like throws them in a big pile. <laughs> you boys looking to have a good time, are you? <laughs> wow. If you rolled in, you'd be like, what are these alcoholics? But they're all like, you can tell he's been using all these bottles for like a season Years. or two. <laughs> Years. I one time got him turned on to these Army water bottles he had some reason he didn't like them. Like he didn't like that. He's like, he much prefers a good two liter bottle with the label still on it. <laughs> Dude, he's a good hunter, man. He's a good hunter. He's a good hunter because he's, like, methodic. He's just a good hunter because, just like the grr. He just just goes and goes and goes and doesn't care. It's like you could be like, oh, you know, if you woke up and someone stole his boot. Right? He'd just be like, oh. Yeah, but he's prepared
1: for (laughs) it. He's prepared he's like, for that. Too bad.
0: My boot's gone. And he would just still hunt, man. You know what
1: like. mean? <laughs> he's prepared for that with the way at the rate that he loses pieces of gear. He usually <laughs> has two or three pairs of footwear with him.
0: Yeah, he'd like kill a llama and wrap its hide around his foot and hunt another couple of days. Yeah. That guy cracks me up, man. Gets it taken care of though.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, good job. That's probably the first bull you've ever called in for for a kill. Yeah 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 good job and that, i learned everything i feel,
0: know i learned everything good. i know from yanni
2: it's pretty nah, sweet I, I uh, montana homecoming right that's your first
0: yeah because we used to go out and just try to get out I and mean, we killed elk like that but just go out and get out in front of them and then that doesn't work and get out in front of them but dude it's so much more fun
2: oh yeah calm. so much more fun cool cool
0: so much more fun things last longer
1: Oh, yeah. When I first met you, you fit, you thought the calling elk just made him run the other direction. Well, it did for us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we had those the same Primo's
0: bite and blow call everybody else had, and we didn't know how to use it. You'd, like, blow that, and it'd always answer with a
1: whoa. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you hear that?
2: <laughs> oh, that's good, Yanni. That was a good warning. Do your yeah. warning call again. Oh, send shivers Jeez, up my spine. Good. Do your fire
0: off bugle. <laughs> There it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. Um, oh, hey, real quick, Anthony, keep you plug Whitetail Weekly?
3: Yeah. If you uh, haven't signed up yet for Whitetail Weekly, go to TheMeatEater.com and do so. This is our new weekly newsletter that is all things whitetail. Um, we're going to be ramping up a ton of deer hunting coverage this fall. Uh, if you get this in your uh, mailbox every week, you will see the cool stuff, what's going on, videos, um, we have a whole bunch of series coming out, uh, a lot of good stuff. So, Whitetail Weekly, go to TheMeatEater.com and sign up.
0: And also, uh, the final episode of Doss Boat, our fishing show, available yeah. on YouTube. If you go in and type in like Doss Boat Meat Eater,
3: yep, you'll find it. You'll find it. You'll Six find episode it. series. Six episode series. Yeah, on our you can find it on a on our website, um, or you could go to YouTube and find it there.
2: Last episode will be coming out or it probably will be out by the time yes, you hear yeah, this for absolutely. sure and then you can yeah. just you don't have to wait like all the suckers that just
1: started watching it when we started releasing it, you can, you can binge just go watch. and binge it man yeah, get man. it done in one night
0: yeah you can Netflix that shit I don't mean that but I mean you can go watch it all that's right alright thank you You guys don't know about it yet, but we just kind of uh, are announcing this today that uh, we here at Meat Eater bought a farm. What we're going to eventually do at this farm is a, is a surprise that will come out in time. But what we're doing first off is we're going to take one lucky winner out to hunt with me and Mark Kenyon on this farm. It's in Michigan. We're trying over the next you know couple years here to turn it into a wildlife paradise, not just turkeys and deer, pollinators. Birds, everything, man. We want to make it bloom. We want to hunt there with you. If you want to hook up with me and Mark Kenyon and win this hunt and come hang out, we'll eat wild game at night. We'll hunt all day. We'll do all kinds of fun stuff for a few days. Go to com slash win a hunt, and then you'll be able to come out and hunt our new farm with me and Mark Kenyon, and we will have some fun and hopefully get some good action in. Check it out, TheMeatEater.com slash win a hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules, from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping.